Chapter Nine of Mount Royal, Volume Three by Mary Elizabeth Braden. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Nine, Thou shouldst come like a fury crowned with snakes. When the shooting party came home to afternoon tea, Dopsy and Mopsy were both full of the picnic. The sun was sinking in lurid splendor. There was every chance of a fine day tomorrow. De Cazalet had interviewed the housekeeper and ordered luncheon mopsy went about among the men like a recruiting sergeant telling them of the picnic and begging them to join in that festivity it will be wretched for dopsy and i her grammar was weak and she had a fixed idea that i was a genteeler pronoun than me if you don't all come she said to colonel blathwaite of course the baron will devote himself exclusively to mrs tregonell fitz jessie will go in the pony trap with mrs torrington and they'll have vivisected everybody they know before they get there and i can't get on a little bit with mr faddy though he is awfully nice i feel that if i were to let him talk to me an hour at a stretch i should be obliged to go and join some protestant sisterhood and wear thick boots and two fearful bonnets for the rest of my days and what would society do without mopsy vandeleur asked the colonel smiling at her i should enjoy a ramble with you above all things but a picnic is such a confoundedly infantine business i always feel a hundred years old when i attempt to be gay and frisky before dusk feel as if i have been dead and come back to life again as some of the savage tribes believe however if it will really please you i'll give up the birds to-morrow and join your sports how sweet of you exclaimed mopsy with a thrilling look from under her painted lashes the whole thing would be ghastly without you what's the row asked leonard turning his head upon the cushion of the easy-chair in which he lolled at full length to look up at the speakers as they stood a little away behind him the master of mount royal was sitting by one fireplace with a table and tea-tray all to himself while mrs tregonell and her circle were grouped about the hearth at the opposite end of the hall jack vandeleur and little monty stood in front of the fire near their host faithful adherence to the friend who fed them but all the rest of the party clustered round christabel Mopsy told Mr. Tregonell all about the intended picnic. "'It is to be the Baron's affair,' she said gaily. "'He organized it, and he is to play the host. There are to be no carriages, except the pony-trap for Mrs. Torrington, who pinches her feet and her waist to a degree that makes locomotion impossible. We are all to walk except her. And I believe we are to have tea at the farm by St. Piran's well, a simple farmhouse tea in some dear old whitewashed room with a huge fireplace.' hams and onions and things hanging from the rafters isn't it a lovely idea very grumbled leonard but i should say you could have your tea a great deal more comfortably here without being under any obligation to the farm people oh but we have our tea here every afternoon said mopsy think of the novelty of the thing no doubt and this picnic is the baron's idea his and mrs tregonell's they planned it all between them and they are going to get up private theatricals for your birthday how kind growled leonard scowling at his teacup isn't it sweet of them they are going to play delicate ground he is to be citizen sans froid and she pauline the husband and wife who quarrel and pretend to separate and are desperately fond of each other all the time don't you know it's a powder piece a what a play in which people wear powdered wigs and patches and all that kind of thing how dense you are i was born so i believe and in this powder piece mrs tregonell and baron de cazalet are to be husband and wife and quarrel and make friends again eh yes the reconciliation is awfully fetching 
but you are not jealous are you jealous not the least bit that's so nice of you and you will come to our picnic to-morrow i think not why not because the woodcock season is a short one and i want to make the best use of my time what a barbarian to prefer any sport to our society exclaimed mopsy coquettishly for my part i hate the very name of woodcock why asked leonard looking at her keenly with his dark bright eyes eyes which had that hard glassy brightness that has always a cruel look because it reminds me of that dreadful day last year when poor mr hamley was killed if he had not gone out woodcock shooting he would not have been killed no a man's death generally hinges upon something answered leonard with a chilling sneer no effect without a cause but i don't think you need waste your lamentations upon mr hamley he did not treat your sister particularly well mopsy sighed and was thoughtful for a moment or two captain vandeleur and mr montague had strolled off to change their clothes the master of the house and miss vandeleur were alone at their end of the old hall ripples of silvery laughter and the sound of mirthful voices came from the group about the other fireplace where the blaze of piled-up logs went roaring up the wide windy chimney making the most magical changeful light in which beauty or its opposite can be seen no he hardly acted fairly to poor dopsy he led her on don't you know and we both thought he meant to propose it would have been such a splendid match for her and i could have stayed with them sometimes of course you could sometimes in your case would have meant all the year round and he was so fascinating so handsome ill as he looked poor darling sighed mopsy i know dop hadn't one mercenary feeling about him it was a genuine case of spoons she would have died for him if he had wished it but men have not yet gone in for collecting corpses sneered leonard however poor the specimen of your sex may be they prefer the living subject even the surgeons are all coming round to that don't be nasty protested mopsy i only meant to say that dopsy really adored angus hamley for his own sake i know how kindly you felt upon the subject and that you wanted it to be a match yes i did my best answered leonard i brought him here and gave you both your chance and jack said that you spoke very sharply to mr hamley that last night yes i gave him a piece of my mind i told him that he had no right to come into my house and play fast and loose with my friend's sister how did he take it pretty quietly you did not quarrel with him no it could hardly be called a quarrel we were both too reasonable understood each other too thoroughly answered leonard as he got up and went off to his dressing-room leaving mopsy sorely perplexed by an indescribable something in his tone and manner surely there must be some fatal meaning in that dark evil smile which changed to so black a frown and that deep sigh which seemed wrung from the very heart of the man a man whom mopsy had hitherto believed to be somewhat poorly furnished with that organ taken in its poetical significance as a thing that throbs with love and pity alone in his dressing-room the lord of the manor sat down in front of the fire with his boots on the hob to muse upon the incongruity of his present position in his own house a year ago he had ruled supreme sovereign master of the domestic circle obeyed and ministered to in all humility by a lovely and pure-minded wife now he was a cipher in his own house the husband of a woman who was almost as strange to him as if he had seen her face for the first time on his return from south america this beautiful brilliant creature who held him at arm's length 
defied him openly with looks and tones in which his guilty soul recognized a terrible meaning looks and tones which she dare not challenge this woman who lived only for pleasure fine dress frivolity who had given his house the free and easy air of a mess-room or a club could this be indeed the woman he had loved in her girlhood the fair and simple-minded wife whom his mother had trained for him teaching her all good things withholding all knowledge of evil i'm not going to stand it much longer he said to himself with an oath as he kicked the logs about upon his fire and then got up to dress for the feast at which he always felt himself just the one guest who was not wanted he had been at home three weeks it seemed an age an age of disillusion and discontent and he had not yet sought any explanation with christabel not yet had he dared to claim his right to be obeyed as a husband to be treated as a friend and adviser with a strange reluctance he put off the explanation from day to day and in the meanwhile the aspect of life at mount royal was growing daily less agreeable to him could it be that this wife of his whose purity and faith he had tried by the hardest test the test of daily companionship with her first and only lover was inclined to waver now to play him false for so shallow a coxcomb so tawdry a fine gentleman as oliver de cazalet not once but many times within the past week he had asked himself that question could it be he had heard strange stories had known of queer cases of the falling away of good women from the path of virtue he had heard of sober matrons mothers of fair children wives of many years the cornelias of their circle staking home husband children honour good name and troops of friends against the wild delirium of some new-born fancy sudden demoniac as the dance of death the women who go wrong are not always the most likely women it is not the trampled slave the neglected and forlorn wife of a bad husband but the pearl and treasure of a happy circle who takes the fatal plunge into the mire the forlorn slave-wife stays in the dreary home and nurses her children battles with her husband's creditors consoles herself with church-going and many prayers fondly hoping for a future day in which tom will find out that she is fairer and dearer than any of his false goddesses and come home repentant to the domestic hearth while the good husband's idol sated with legitimate worship gives herself up all at once to the intoxication of unholy incense and topples off her shrine leonard tregonell knew that the world was full of such psychological mysteries and yet he could hardly bring himself to believe that christabel was of the stuff that makes false wives or that she could be won by such a third-rate don juan as the baron de cazalet the dinner was a little noisier and gayer than usual to-night every one talked laughed told anecdotes let off puns more or less atrocious except the host who sat in his place an image of gloom happily mrs st aubin was one of those stout healthy contented people who enjoy their dinner and only talk about as much as is required for the assistance of digestion she told prosy stories about her pigs and poultry which were altogether superior intellectually and physically to other people's pigs and poultry and only paused once or twice to exclaim you are looking awfully tired mr tregonell you must have overdone it to-day don't you take curacoa i always do after ice-pudding it's so comforting do you know at the last dinner i was at before i came here the curacoa was ginger brandy wasn't that horrid people ought not to do such things leonard suggested in a bored voice that this might have been the butler's mistake i don't think so i believe it was actual meanness but i shall never take liqueur at that house again said mrs st aubin in an injured tone are you going to this picnic to-morrow i think not 
i'm afraid the walk will be too much for me and i'm not fond of mrs torrington to enjoy two hours tete-a-tete in a pony carriage my girls will go of course and i suppose you will be there added mrs st aubyn with intention no vandeleur monty and i are going shooting well if i were in your shoes and had such a pretty wife i should not leave her to go picnicking about the world with such an attractive man as the baron leonard gave an uneasy little laugh meant to convey the idea of supreme security i'm not jealous of de cazalet he said surely you don't call him an attractive man dangerously attractive replied mrs st aubyn gazing at the distant baron whose florid good looks were asserting themselves at the further end of the table on christabel's left hand she had mr st aubyn's grey contented face glistening with dinner on her right he is just the kind of man i should have fallen in love with when i was your wife's age really exclaimed leonard incredulously but i suppose after you married st aubyn you left off falling in love of course i did not put myself in the way of temptation i should never have encouraged such a man handsome accomplished unscrupulous as baron de cazalet i don't think his good looks or his unscrupulousness will make any difference to my wife said leonard she knows how to take care of herself no doubt but that does not release you from the duty of taking care you had better go to the picnic my dear mrs st aubyn if i were to go now after what you have just said to me you might suppose i was jealous of de cazalet and that is just the one supposition i could not stand answered leonard it would take a dozen such fascinating men to shake my confidence in my wife she is not an acquaintance of yesterday remember i have known her all my life mrs st aubyn sighed and shook her head she was one of those stupid well-meaning women whose mission in life is to make other people uncomfortable with the best intentions she kept a steady lookout for the approaching misfortunes of her friends she was the first to tell an anxious mother that her youngest son was sickening for scarlet fever or that her eldest girl looked consumptive she prophesied rheumatics and bronchitis to incautious people who went out in wet weather she held it as a fixed belief that all her friends houses were damp it was in vain that vexed householders protested against such a suspicion and held forth upon the superiority of their drainage the felt under their tiles their air bricks and ventilators my dear your house is damp she would reply conclusively what it would be if you had not taken those precautions i shudder to imagine but i only know that i get the shivers every time i sit in your drawing-room to-night she was somewhat offended with mr tregonell that he refused to take alarm at her friendly warning she had made up her mind that it was her duty to speak she had told the girls so in the course of their afternoon constitutional a private family walk if things get any worse i shall take you away she said as they trudged along the lane in their waterproofs caring very little for a soft drizzling rain which was supposed to be good for their complexions don't mother said emily claire and i are having such a jolly time mrs tregonell is straight enough i'm sure she does flirt outrageously with the baron i admit but an open flirtation of that kind seldom means mischief and mr tregonell is such a heavy clod hopping fellow his wife may be forgiven for flirting a little mrs tregonell flirts more than a little replied mrs st aubyn all i can say is i don't like it and i don't think it's a proper spectacle for girls then you'd better send us back to the nursery mother or shut us up in a convent retorted the younger of the damsels if you don't want us to see young married women flirt you must keep us very close indeed 
if you feel uneasy about your coach and china's mother you can go home and leave us to follow with the pater said emily i've set my heart upon stopping till after mr tregonell's birthday the fourteenth of november for the theatricals will be fine fun they talk of high life below stairs for us girls after delicate ground and i think we shall be able to persuade mrs tregonell to wind up with a dance what is the use of people having fine rooms if they don't know how to use them mrs tregonell seems ready for anything sighed the matron i never saw such a change in any one do you remember how quiet she was the summer before last when we were here for a few days End of chapter nine